Welcome to Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. Life in Accounting is the podcast for everyday heroes like you working in the accounting profession. Are you ready to hear from accounting influencers, thought leaders, visionaries, and other professionals leading change in the accounting world? Then stay tuned for Mark Goldman, a CPA, the owner of Where Accountants Go, and your host. Welcome to Life in Accounting. You have to obviously have the technical skills and the accounting knowledge that you gain in school and from continued learning over time. That's sort of table stakes. But I think you need something more. And for me, what that's been is the ability to develop relationships. Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for Life and Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. That clip was from our guest this week, Joseph Tackett, or as his friends call him, Joey, an audit partner with Deloitte in Houston, Texas. Joey has had a successful career shooting straight up the ranks with Deloitte, but as you're going to hear in this interview, he certainly didn't come from a privileged background. He was the first in his family to graduate from college, and he made the most out of the opportunities that his family worked so hard to give him. And now, actually for the last five years, he's been a partner with the big four accounting firm, Deloitte. Joey is a very gracious individual, and you're going to hear it in the interview that he really takes his responsibility to give back to the community and help pave the way for younger professionals very seriously. You can't help but appreciate Joey's sincerity in this interview. Here we go with Joey Tackett from Deloitte in Houston, Texas. Well, hello, Joey. Thank you for taking the time out for this. I know your time is very valuable, and I appreciate you being willing to share some of it with our audience. Thank you very much. My pleasure, Mark. Definitely something I'm very much looking forward to. I love to give back, so happy to help any way I can. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, this will be a fun experience. I wanted to invite you on the show because we haven't yet had any representation from Deloitte, and so I figured, you know, starting at the top just seems to make sense. (laughs) From our pre-recording conversation, I know that you've had a very interesting path, you know, moving up through the ranks there at Deloitte and and, and maybe not a traditional path, and so I think that's going to really give those in our audience that have an interest in public accounting, particularly the big four firms, some good insight. I always like to start at the beginning, though, because I like to know how people ended up you know, being interested in accounting in the first place. So what led you to pursue accounting as a potential career early on? Well, that's, that requires quite a lengthy explanation, but I'll start from the beginning. So just a very brief recap of my life. You know, my life is just one of, uh, I would say, opportunities. I was given lots of opportunities in life, starting from the my birth, actually, I was born in a small town in South Texas called Far, Texas, which P-H-A-R-R, many people will not even have heard of that. So I was actually adopted at birth, so that was really my first opportunity in life. But my immediate family moved to New Orleans when I was three or four years old. So New Orleans is certainly home to me, and it's what I claim is home. But I grew up there, and 
I ended up being the first person in my family to go on to college. My older brother actually never finished high school, and and my parents, although they were very intelligent people, didn't have the opportunity to go to college. So that was another opportunity that I was presented with. And later in my career in college, actually, let me back up a little bit. So when I was choosing colleges to go to, my mom worked at Tulane University Credit Union. And so many people that worked at Tulane University, large, prestigious university, their families got free tuition. Well, because she worked for the credit union, it was disconsidered affiliated with the university. So we actually didn't qualify for free tuition and certainly couldn't afford the tuition. But my mom wrote a letter to the dean sort of asking and pleading and, and writing about the situation. He actually agreed to give me free tuition, which was just amazing. So I had my career path set. I was going to major in criminal justice. I was going to be in the FBI. And that's just what I knew that I wanted to do. Well, about two weeks before college was to begin, some other organizations that were loosely affiliated got wind of this. And they actually wrote a letter to the dean and said, well, hey, we want free tuition also. Well, he didn't give them free tuition. Actually, what he did is he just said, okay, look, nobody gets it. So at the last minute, I ended up applying to the local university, University of New Orleans, being accepted there and sort of starting late. Well, the thing about that is they didn't actually offer criminal justice as a major. So the first few years, I sort of took all my undergraduate classes and really didn't know what I wanted to major in. And I heard someone just mention accounting and the fact that it was challenging. Well, I I didn't even know what accounting was, but I decided, well, I'll give it a shot. So I took principles of accounting. I did really well in the class, really bonded with the professor and sort of that sort of set me on the path to accounting. I kept taking class after class and decided, well, this is something I'm really good in and something that I really enjoy. So that led me into learning about the big four accounting firms because they would come onto campus and speak to Beta Alpha Psi that I was a part of. Ultimately, that led me to an internship with Deloitte. And ultimately, I did two or three internships with with Deloitte and continued on and ended up getting a full-time offer right after college. And to take you sort of quickly to where I am today, I worked five years in our New Orleans office, and I had a a mentor who came down from our national office in Connecticut to work on a large job there. He sort of took me under his wings, and he sort of broadened my horizons, if you will, helped me think larger than just New Orleans. He actually sponsored me to go to our national office in Connecticut, which I did after my fifth year. I spent two years in our national office. And then after that, I decided to transfer to our Houston office, where I've been for the the last 12 years. And I was fortunate enough five years ago to be promoted to the partnership. And so that sort of brings us up to date. Wow. Okay. You know, if you don't mind, I wanted to go in and sort of fill in a few gaps or, or ask about a few items. You mentioned you did two or three internships at Deloitte. And and I'm seeing these days sometimes people, you know, take an internship in tax and later in audit and maybe another one in industry. And how did that work out that you did two or three all at Deloitte? Were they all in the same area? or how, Yeah, Yeah, it's an interesting story. So my first internship was in audit. Okay. And then immediately after that, I went away and I did an internship in industry. 
And then I came back and I did an internship in the tax department. Well, right around that time, you know, I started becoming close with everyone at Deloitte and they sort of knew that I was working my way through college anyway. So they said, well, if you want to do another internship right after this one in tax ends, you can go back to the audit practice. And so I did that. And then after about two or three months, they actually decided that to make me a part-time employee, which was another opportunity that I had because Deloitte doesn't really have part-time employees, if you will. They have interns and they have full-time employees. But while I was working through school, I actually ended up being a part-time employee and received benefits and everything like that. So that sort of led into my third internship, which actually led into my full-time offer. So you know, even though I knew that I wanted to go with Deloitte, I did actually interview and go through the formal process and interviewed with some other firms. I wanted to have that experience. And also, I didn't want to have any regrets, but Deloitte was certainly the right, right choice for me. Okay. I have to ask this because I, I hear this from students sometimes. How did you decide between tax and audit? Since you, were, you knew you were going with Deloitte, I, how did that decision take place? Well, for me, fortunately, I was able to intern both in audit and tax, which is not a luxury, unfortunately, that many of our interns have. And while I really enjoyed both, I mean, I really enjoyed both, audit to me, it just seemed like we get out and we interact with people more. And I love interacting with people. I love talking with people. And in, in my tax internship, you were we spent more time in the office sort of isolated and working working with other peers, but not as much interaction with the client. So no knock against tax. Uh, I think tax would be a great career path as well, but that's sort of what was the decision point for me going to audit. Okay. Okay. I, I hear that question a lot, so I figured I wanted to get your take on it as well. Tell me about the, I guess, the, the job at the national office. What, what did that entail? I'm assuming it wasn't sort of a, a typical audit manager kind of role? or what, what were you doing at the national office exactly? Absolutely. So that, that was definitely one of the greatest times of my career. So I spent two years there. I was in what we call our accounting research department. Sounds boring to anyone that's not in accounting, but it actually is pretty exciting work. So I would be responsible for receiving calls from our audit teams all around the country, sometimes all around the world, when they were having difficulty with an accounting topic and accounting problem that they wanted to research. And so they would call me. I would do the initial research. Ultimately, I would have to clear it with a partner there in the national office. But I would end up writing a technical memo on the topic and delivering that conclusion to the team. And another exciting aspect of it is we we got to follow ongoing accounting guidance that was evolving at the time. So we, we got to attend FASB meetings, participate on calls sometimes with the SEC. So really, you know, right in the heart of where everything was being discussed for the first time, if you will. So new accounting standards, we got to hear the FASB board deliberate and how they make decisions. Really, really exciting stuff. And what it did was it gave me a foundation and some tools that I was able to use later on in my career and also allowed me to develop a lot of personal relationships that I'm able to still call on today. Yeah, I would expect, I guess, at least nationally, <laughs> you would develop relationships, if not maybe globally then, right? No, ab- absolutely. And a lot of times it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Sure. 
Okay. And you said you were sponsored into that. Is it fairly competitive to get one of those seats? It's definitely competitive, and we have, call it, eight to 12 different departments, and the accounting research tends to be the one that most people would desire to be in. So it, it's, it is quite competitive and you have to have a partner that sponsors you. You fill out an application and you actually go up and you get interviewed and then they let you know whether they're going to accept you at all. And then if they're going to accept you into the department that you wanted to be in. Okay. Is a two-year run or, you know, a few years, two, three-year run, is that pretty typical? Is, is the department built that way or are there some people that make a career out of that? It's really built for people to get two years of experience and then rotate back into the audit practice and take that experience with them. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, what do you feel has led to your ability to continue to move up and, and make partner here you know, about five years ago? Any you know, secrets to success or, or wisdom you think you could pass on to younger individuals? Sure, sure. I, I would say you have to obviously have the technical skills and the accounting knowledge that you gain in school and from continued learning over time. That's sort of table stakes. But I think you need something more. And for me, what that's been is the ability to develop relationships, relationships with people that I work with, my bosses, relationships with my clients, and just having a solid relationship with someone and genuinely taking an interest in getting to know them on a deeper level is really going to take you a lot further. When difficult times come up or when stressful times come up, it's a lot easier to deal with that with someone that you have a good relationship with because ultimately we are auditing the client. And so while we may have a good relationship with them, we, we do have to challenge them. We have to get audit evidence. I like to say, you know, trust, but verify. And so we can, we can have situations that are not exactly comfortable, but if you have that solid foundation of a good relationship and trust, then that makes things a lot easier. Two other things I would say that have been uh, instrumental for me. One is just, it's very simple. It's literally just showing up. I think we've all heard the quote that says something like 80% of success is just showing up. You'd be surprised these days at how many people don't show up. Sometimes they don't show up at all for meetings or for work. And then part of showing up is actually showing up on time. And I've always lived by the motto that if you're on time, you're actually late. So you should strive to be early. Just those few simple things will take you a long way, not only in career, but in, in life as well. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Is there anything, and I know that the firm Deloitte provides a lot of, you know, soft skills training, I'm sure, and and management development opportunities and, and that kind of thing. Is there anything you've done in addition or outside of, of the opportunities that the firm has given you in order to develop those relationship building skills, you know, better communication skills, better relationship skills? Any advice you have in that area? Well, I'm a pretty avid reader, so certainly reading is going to take you a long way in continuing your journey on learning, if you will. And another thing that comes to mind that I did was I joined Toastmasters a number of years ago, and Toastmasters is an organization that allows you to work on your public speaking skills, which is one of everyone's biggest fears, and you know, I was no different when it comes to that. I, I did not enjoy public speaking, but 
I knew that if I was going to be successful, it was something that I had to do. So that, that really helped. And then I would say just, you know, doing what you're afraid of. So again, public speaking, you know, we get many opportunities to speak in front of a group. We have to lead trainings. We have to lead meetings, including meetings with executives, audit committees. And so just stepping out and saying yes to more opportunities when they present themselves and challenging yourself in areas that you are weak in or that you're not as strong in. And then over time, those become actually your strengths. That's good advice. I don't remember which, I'm going to have to go back in the archives, but one of our other guests was talking about just saying yes to more opportunities, even though you may not feel totally comfortable right out of the gate, you know, taking, taking the opportunity to grow. That is good advice. Well, you mentioned really enjoying that the time at the Connecticut National Office. I mean, what do you enjoy about your position overall? What do you really enjoy about what you do? Well, Because I'm a people person, if you will, and I really like to interact with people, we spend probably, call it 80% of our day away from our desk, or even if we're at our desk, interacting with other people, whether it's the audit team, and we're talking about how to approach a particular area, whether it's interacting with management, whether it's doing recruiting, whether it's just a social event after work. We spend a lot of time just interacting with each other, and I really enjoy that. I would say that having this job has provided me with a lot of opportunities. And I think I mentioned early on that I really like to give back. And so this has given me the opportunity to lead our recruiting efforts at at two different large, well-known universities. And I really enjoy talking with people at the early stages of their career. And and I say their career, I mean their college career. So they're really thinking about what direction they want to go in. And I'm able to offer them advice and just let them ask me anything they want. You know, I love to get to know people on a deeper level and share my experience with them and let them know that we're not different. I remember being on the other side of the table where they were just hoping that I can get an internship. In fact, some of my early interviews, I I did not obtain the the internship or the job because they said they wanted more experience. And I was a little frustrated. I was like, well, this is my my first opportunity to intern. Of course, I'm not going to have any experience. But, you know, in doing that, I'm able to give back, offer them advice. And then the position that I'm in now, it really allows me to give back in a financial way as well. So that's one of the things that I really enjoy about my job is just the opportunity to give back in many different ways. You know, a lot was given to me and I feel like I need to give a lot back. Yes. Uh, to whom much is given, much is expected, right? Absolutely. Are you still involved in the recruiting efforts now or is that, was that pre-partner? No, no, that started probably in my, so, so we are involved in recruiting throughout every level and just in a different way. But now I get to actually lead our efforts and I'm the one that gets to interview and ultimately make the final decisions on whether someone you know, receives an offer for an inter- internship or not. And I like to get out on campus. I still participate in many different recruiting events. I get to speak at universities and just do something similar to this and offer them a window into what my daily life is like and just answer questions that are top of mind. And again, set them at ease and let them know that although I am a partner at a big four firm, 
you know, I didn't start out that way. I started out just where they are, just hoping for an opportunity and ultimately that they can achieve the same success that I've had. That is wonderful. Which universities do you lead the recruiting efforts at? So I just rotated off of Texas Tech University and I'm on to Louisiana State University now. So a little closer to home. (laughs) And you're there in Houston, right? Yes, sir. Okay, wonderful. To people, we talked about this a little bit before the recording and some of our our pre-podcast conversation, and and we both agreed that we thought it would be a a good item to discuss. You know, to people that say or that may say the hours are tough in public accounting and and therefore may choose, you know, not to pursue a career there, what are your thoughts? What are the hours really like and what are the the trade-offs, you know, the advantages as well? So first, I never shy away from the fact that we do work long hours, but I would say that the long hours and the horror stories that people here told are confined to probably a four to five week period that we call our busy season. Now, compared to some other jobs or some other industries, sure, we work more on average than them as well, but I would say that the hours are certainly manageable. Now, I've completed 19 what we call busy seasons, and only two of those, I would say, were something that I would deem unmanageable. But every year is different depending on the situation that your client's in, depending on the economy, depending on a lot of different things. Your busy season can be better or worse, and I would say there's only two out of 19 that were really unmanageable or unsustainable if that were to be the case every single year. But that's not the case every year. And then another thing that's important to know is that the flexibility that you have significantly increases the longer you're with the firm and the higher up you go. And that's primarily because as a new person in your first few years, most of the work that you're doing is out at the client site, interacting with them on a day-to-day basis. The higher up you go, you're reviewing some of the work of the younger generation of the younger staff, and you're doing more of the recruiting. You're doing work sometimes in the office, and so a lot of that, a lot of times, that work can be done from home. That work can be done remotely, and so you have a lot of flexibility that makes the hours very manageable. Then. I guess the last point I would make is that the job is extremely rewarding. And there's a quote from Teddy Roosevelt that says, nothing worth having ever comes easy. So if you're going to achieve something big in life, it's going to require a lot of work and a lot of effort. Mm, That's a good point. Teddy Roosevelt, huh? Yes, sir. Yeah, I was sort of under the impression that obviously during the busy season, there are more hours to work, but then when you're not in busy season, particularly during the, I guess, the summers, that that the flexibility is just much higher than you may see in industry. Absolutely. So we don't, it, it's kind of interesting because people are always asking me, including family, you know, what are your work hours? Is it eight to six, nine to six, nine to five? What is it? And I can never really answer that question because it just depends on the day. You know, for example, Today's Friday. As soon as we finish talking, I'm I'm going home. <laughs> and it just depends on the day. So some days it may be, you know, a random day of the week, Tuesday. And if I don't have any more meetings, I don't have anything pressing, 
you know, I may just go go home and do something I like to do. I'm not bound to be here until a certain time. And again, the higher up you go, the more flexibility that you have to do that. I mean, we, we have a certain amount of work that we know needs to get done and we know what the deadline is. And so I always tell my teams, as long as we're meeting that deadline, you know, you can work from home, you can work from the client site. You know, I put, I entrust them to make that decision to know how much they need to work and when they need to work. And as long as we're meeting the deadlines, then they can be as flexible as they want. Okay. Okay. Wow. And I thank you for your time. I, I didn't realize you're sharing part of your weekend with us already. And it's <laughs> <laughs> happy to do it. Happy to do it. <laughs> for people listening to this another time, it's two o'clock on a Friday afternoon. So just to, to give people a, a reference point. Well, for our listeners that are earlier on in their careers, you know, what do you feel that they should know and may not know about what being a partner at an accounting firm really means? Certainly it comes with a lot of responsibility. Okay. You know, what, what we do is extremely important to the financial markets. But what I would say is don't see me or don't see another partner in public accounting and think, wow, they must have really just been born for this. And, you know, I'm not born for this. I could never achieve that. I would say to them, you absolutely can do it. Now, I was on the other side of the table. I didn't have a history of a family that had gone to college and was able to provide more help to me along the way. I, I mentioned at the beginning that you know, I was even adopted at birth. I was afforded many different opportunities, and I just was blessed and fortunate to take advantage of those opportunities. So I've heard another quote that said this way is, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. Mm. So they may be in college right now, or they may be just starting their career, but set goals, short-term, medium-term, and long-term goals, and believe that you can achieve it because I'm no different than they were. And if certainly, if anyone that knows me, if I can do it, then they can do it as well. That is good. If you could go back and, and give your younger self any one piece of advice, not necessarily that you would change anything, but any advice you'd like to give your younger self, what would that be? I would say to just realize sooner that I had the potential and the ability to make partner. And not that once you make partner, that's the end all be all. My mentor once said that that's when your career is really just getting started. But just realizing sooner in my career that I can achieve that goal, I believe that I would have early on set different goals and very likely would have been in a position to make partner even sooner than I did had I really had that realization at the time. Instead, when I started with the firm, I sort of committed for a two or three year period and I still gave 100% at everything that I was doing. But when you have a shorter term mindset, you may not necessarily do things that will benefit you four or five years down the road at that particular job. And so instead of committing two and three years at a time, I would have committed more long-term and likely achieve my goal sooner. Sort of a combination of believing in yourself and having a bigger dream. 
Absolutely. Dream big. Definitely. Okay. Well, I want to be respectful of your time, particularly now that I know we're already into the weekend. So (laughs) (laughs) I end every podcast with the same three questions and I want to keep that up. So number one, and usually the easiest one for my guest is what has been your proudest moment? And there's, there's many, many moments that I could pick. But if I have to pick one, I guess I would say being promoted to partner. And why do I pick that? Not for personal reasons that I was able to achieve that. I really think me being promoted was the culmination of the success of many people in my life, starting with my mom and my dad, who taught me a solid work ethic very early on in life and taught me to just be a good person, which has helped me develop those relationships that I talked about earlier on. My mentor, who really took an interest in me at a very young age, you know, friends, colleagues, bosses, many people that have helped me along the way and were pulling for me, if you will. But actually being promoted to partner is sort of a culmination of all that. And when I think back to all the opportunities that I was given in life, and you know, many people aren't presented with those opportunities, but I was, and I was able to take advantage of them with the help of many others. So because of that, it it gives me a lot of satisfaction and and very proud to have achieved that. Wonderful. You're a very gracious individual. That's that's a wonderful trait. Thank you. Well, tell us about a mistake you've made (laughs) and what you learned from it, of course. But frankly, the bigger, the better. Don't hold back. Well... Many, many mistakes, many, many mistakes. But, you know, if you if you learn from it, then I've heard it said that it's not really a mistake. So one that it had the potential to really be a big mistake. In my mind at the time, it was huge career limiting move. So I was a senior manager on a large engagement, two partners, very important engagement. And I was sending some information to the client. And part of the information I was sending out was an internal work paper, internal document that contained some other information that I needed to remove before I sent that out because it really would have been embarrassing had I sent that to them and, and they read that. Well, of course, trying to be quick and, and not taking the time to proofread my email, I did send that email out to probably 40 or 50 people at the client with the information that I was supposed to remove. So the chief accounting officer, who fortunately I had a really, really great relationship with, she called me and said, hey, I think there's some information in here that you probably didn't mean to include. And my heart immediately dropped because I knew what she was talking about. So I saw what happened and then I thought, okay, now I'm gonna have to go confess this to my bosses. Maybe they're going to fire me. They're going to yell at me. You know, I was prepared for the worst. So I go in, I let them know what happened. And to them, it was almost like nothing. They said, okay, well, correct it, send out the right information and everything's fine. And they didn't need to yell at me. (laughs) They didn't get upset, anything, but just knowing their reaction to, to that situation just gave me so much confidence and the, the fact that you can make mistakes 
and recover from that. And it's okay. And I did learn a lesson from that, that slow down, take your time, especially when you're sending out information to a client. But just their reaction to that, I think, taught me a big lesson and, and helps me when I'm responding and when I'm the, on the other side of the table now when people that work for me and with me make mistakes. Hmm. You know, you are fortunate to have worked for some some good mentors and some understanding people. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that is a blessing. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close down the interview. What's been the best advice that you've ever received? That's definitely a tough one because I've received a lot of advice that is very good advice, but I'm a very simple person. And so the advice that I've received and that I think is the best was very simple. And that is basically the golden rule. We've all heard this. We've all learned this. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. If you follow that in everything that you do, that's going to take you a long way in work and in life. Hmm. That is some good wisdom to to end this on. You're right. Sometimes the best advice is the simplest things. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Joey. I, I really appreciate you sharing the time. This has been wonderful. I knew it was going to be a good interview. Uh, but you, you really are a very gracious individual, and I, I can see how you've, how you've been able to move up at Deloitte. It doesn't surprise me at all. Thank, thank you, Mark, and thank you for the opportunity. No problem, no problem. I hope to be able to meet you someday in person. Definitely, we'll do that. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend. That really was a pleasure to record. I spoke with Joey a little after the recording as well, and I know I mentioned this in the interview a few times, but he truly is a very gracious person, and I just so appreciate that he took the time out of his schedule to share his story with us. You can tell that he's worked very diligently over the years to get to where he is, and obviously it's paid off. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Life in Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast. I can't believe it, but this is episode number 49. By the time it's released and you're listening to it, we will have recorded well over 50 episodes. I so, so, so appreciate that you choose to listen in each week. Thank you so much. Please feel free to email us at any time at info, that's I-N-F-O, at whereaccountantsgo.com with any suggestions or questions that you ever have about the show. Also, please visit us at our homepage at www.whereaccountantsgo.com for links to information on accounting certifications, accounting events in Texas, and much, much more information related to the accounting profession. I hope you have a wonderful week. We'll be back soon. There's more to come.